Welcome to the October 2010 edition of Injury Prevention. In these podcasts, we highlight work published in the journal Injury Prevention. I'm Brian Johnston, Editor-in-Chief. Injury Prevention is an international peer-reviewed journal that offers the best in science, policy, and public health practice to reduce the burden of injury in all age groups around the world. The papers that we feature in our podcasts are the editor's choice. They're always free online, so if you enjoy what you hear, have a look on our website and download the entire manuscript. You'll find us at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Today we're focusing on the paper, Cultural Translation, Acceptability and Efficacy of a U.S.-Based Injury Prevention Intervention in China, which appears in the October 2010 issue. I'm joined by two of the co-authors, Dr. Joan Ozan-Smith from the Department of Forensic Medicine, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, and Dr. Flora Winston from the Center for Injury Research and Prevention at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and from the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Pennsylvania in the United States. Joan, Flora, hello. Good morning. Hi. Uh, In this study, you tested the efficacy and the acceptability in China of a booster seat promotion intervention that had been developed and previously studied in the U.S. In China, you worked with focus groups of parents of three- to eight-year-old children, gathered their reactions to a video intervention that was developed initially for use with U.S. families, and you followed up after about six weeks to ask about booster seat use, knowledge, and attitudes. Joan, let's start with you, and I'll ask you, can you give us some background? What was it that motivated you to conduct this study, and why is this an important topic for research? Yes, so there were a number of factors. Uh, China is obviously rapidly motorizing, and road traffic injury is predicted to increase. And there's a very large young population in China. At the same time, there's a fast-growing, relatively young middle class, often with a child, which is purchasing private motor vehicles for the first time. And large roadside observational surveys have shown that few children are restrained in cars in Chinese cities, uh, suggesting a lack of knowledge of child restraints. And I guess my other real motivation was that I've been a keen observer of child safety issues in China uh, for many years. And it was my judgment that the time was right for the introduction of child restraints in China. And perhaps Flora might like to add some other motivational factors. Yeah, that's been great working with Joan on this study because she um, has such great ties with China, which I think is a very important part of this, is to make sure that you're working with someone who really knows the culture. I guess another point that I'd like to make is that there's a tremendous mismatch between the available interventions and where the burden of injuries lie. Um, You know, many of the interventions that exist that have gone through rigorous development and evaluation are limited to a small number of high-income countries. And what we hoped to do with this study was to develop and test a cost-effective way to to assess whether or not these interventions developed in high-income countries could be adapted to the local context. This is a major call to action in the WHO World Report on Child Injury Prevention, the need to adapt proven interventions to new contexts. And I think that this actually gives us some hope 
that we can actually do this cost-effective way of getting injury interventions out into these countries that need them by thinking about it, how to adapt the intervention into this new setting. Well, Flora, let me ask you then, are there examples in other fields of public health interventions that have been successfully or maybe not successfully used across languages and cultures? I think this is really a widespread issue, whether you're talking about AIDS prevention, drowning prevention, um, uh, motor vehicle injury prevention, that just because you have a technology or um, a vaccine or whatever it might be that is acceptable in one setting doesn't mean it's going to be acceptable elsewhere. If we go back to the child safety seat example, we all know that child safety seats are effective in reducing risk of injury and death among children, but they have to be used to be effective. And interventions need to take into account the barriers and facilitators to their use. It's these barriers and facilitators that are locally driven and need to be elicited and addressed. So let me just give you three examples quickly from just this child safety seat issue. So values might serve as barriers or facilitators to use. So in some religious communities, commonly held beliefs of fatalism and destiny can serve as barriers to prevention messages. Crashes and injuries for some are thought of as acts of God. So creative researchers and practitioners have actually blessed child restraints and have actually increased their use by including this, um, the faith-based, faith-based communities. In other communities, like we found in China, it was limited access to the safety equipment that was a barrier. So some have adapted things like um, local loan schemes for such devices. And then finally, we need to think about the channel for the prevention message. In the U.S., some television advertising campaigns for smoking cessation and other things have been very effective in promoting health and safety. But in countries that have limited electricity or television signals, we need to think about how they're going to receive their messages, possibly through cell phones or radio. So, uh, Flora, you described the process you used as cultural translation. But to be clear, your approach really involved repackaging this intervention into another language, but not really attempting to translate the concepts or the theoretical constructs. It seems that the key to success would need then to be a fundamental comparability of those underlying theoretical constructs and models of health behavior. Is that correct? That's beautifully stated, Brian. Um, the specific intervention in this study merely required repackaging and simple translation, but this isn't often the case. The simple adaptation was only determined after applying the approach that we had, which really looked at what were the barriers and facilitators to the actual use of the intervention. And we, um, we had determined this and found that in Beijing, it just so happened that the barriers and facilitators that, under, that were determined and addressed in the intervention created in the U.S. were the same as those that were found in the U.S. And so because the underlying theoretical foundation for the intervention was the same, it only required translation. In another country in which the barriers and facilitators may be different, you might have to either completely change the intervention or at least adapt it widely, and a simple translation wouldn't have worked. I see. So, uh, Joan, you've, you've alluded to the certainly the burden of road traffic injury in rapidly motorizing countries as being a motivator 
but uh, were there particular reasons that you thought booster seat use was a reasonable target for this cultural transla translation? Uh, yes, I think uh, that there, there's evidence, as Flora said, that booster seats are effective in protecting children in cars. And, um, and she had also demonstrated a successful implementation strategy in the US. So um, those two things um, supported using this particular intervention. And um, seatbelts seat are, are simpler than other child restraints and cover a broader range, range than most other child restraints. So they were an obvious choice um, from the point of view of simplicity for this um, first intervention as well. Uh, the other thing is that infants tend to be cared for at home in the f um, during that first year of life. So uh, the need for, um, for infant restraints is probably not so high in China. So I, I guess these were the main reasons. Okay, and <clears throat> it's, it sounds uh, simple and compelling when you describe it, but I'm sure it wasn't as easy to actually put it into practice. What what were some of the most challenging aspects that you found in conducting this study? Well, there were quite a lot of logistical difficulties, really, um, not only in China, but also in, in our own countries. Uh, and for a start, we were working between three countries, between Flora in the US, me in Australia, and um, Dr. Tsao leading the team in China. Uh, so that was quite complex. Uh, also, uh, the, um, the materials that our ethics committees required that the materials, all of the materials be translated into Chinese very early in the project. So it was difficult to change materials later on. So that, that was a, a, a bit of a frustration. Uh, and the, as part of this intervention, um, there were also um, seat, booster seats provided to families after the initial um, videos. And um, the actual transport and distribution of the booster seats was a logistical nightmare as well. So plenty of challenges. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, Flora, could you briefly summarize the results for us? What did you find? Sure. Um, this study started with focus groups and um, what we found in the focus groups was that the parents, the Chinese parents in the study held many of the same barriers and facilitators to booster seat use. The intervention was based on several target constructs, knowledge about um, the use of booster seats and how injuries are prevented with their use, self-efficacy about the use and um, being understanding how to use the booster seat, dispelling negative myths about the safety of an intervention that's not anchored to the seat, overcoming barriers to access. These were issues that were found in the United States and the same issues were found in China and we um, were excited to see that. We then, um, when we uh, gave the intervention to the families, found that um, their attitudes and um, perceived benefits, their intentions to use changed at the time of the, um, the initial intervention. And then six weeks later, we found that the, um, the families increased their reported use of booster seats from 15.5% to 85.5%. 
Well, congratulations. That's uh, an important result and a lot of work going into it, uh, both both to demonstrate the validity of the method and the, the success to which it can be applied. What, a, what, Joan, are the next steps for your team? Are there other interventions that might warrant similar investigation, or are you looking to extend uh, your, your work with booster seats? I'd like to um, extend our use with booster seats as uh, as a starting point. Uh, obviously, this was a small study in the scheme of things in China, and I think it's important to do a much wider intervention uh, and that this should be an evaluated uh, similar campaign, uh, but in major cities, perhaps using a a quasi-experimental design for evaluation purposes uh, so that we can, in order to eventually have a, a child restraint law in China, I believe there needs to be a certain level of usage uh, before that's possible to develop the market in the first place and for demand to then reduce the um, the price of booster seats, which is very high at present in China, to a reasonable price. So I, I think that we that there needs to be more work on intervention and evaluation of that uh, um, in order to then spread that even more widely in China, with the eventual aim of of um, laws and enforcement becoming effective. But there are many other child safety measures, as Flora mentioned earlier, that have been well-developed and implemented and evaluated in high-income countries that remain relatively unknown in China. So that um, wrist guards, for example, are not used, although um, using small um, uh, skateboards and rollerblades are common in China. Um, bike helmets are not used. Um, Survival swimming and rescue skills are not taught. Carbon monoxide detectors are not readily available in homes, although um, carbon monoxide poisoning is quite common. Smoke alarms are not readily available, etc. So there are many, many um, well-established and proven interventions in high-income countries that would um, be relevant to injury problems in China but are not yet widely known or implemented. And ironically, most of these are made in China. That sounds like a research agenda for the next decade. Flora, <laughs> Flora any final thoughts? Yes, I, um, I think that what this study did is it, it gave us hope that um, we can come up with a way to test whether the interventions that we have to promote use of these um, these life-saving devices will work in a new setting. It's relatively low cost, it was easily taught, and it should be employed more widely. I think we jump way too soon to take something that was developed in one country, one context, one community, and use it elsewhere without doing some preliminary work to see that it's likely going to work. And the success of this individual study should be seen as a call to action to public health professionals to evaluate existing interventions and determine whether or not they might be worthwhile elsewhere and then get it out there in order for us to all save lives. And so I am, I, as I move forward, I really feel that while I 
need to continue to protect the kids in my own community. I need to also be thinking more broadly about how to take the work that I currently have and try to protect the kids around the world. Um, and I'm and I'm doing that. I just began a um, project with Israel to try to look at the um, ultra-religious communities there. I'm in discussions with um, with colleagues in Uruguay about thinking about Latin American children. There, these, there are, there's great need, and I really want to underscore the importance of this mismatch between the interventions that exist in developed and high-income countries and where the burden really lies, which is in a lot of these um, less fortunate com- countries um, in terms of the riches of injury prevention. Well, it's important work, and we're we're proud to have it in the journal. That was Flora Winston and Joan Osmond-Smith discussing work conducted in China and reported in the October 2010 edition of Injury Prevention. Their paper titled Cultural Translation, Acceptability and Efficacy of a U.S.-Based Injury Prevention Intervention in China is this month's editor's choice. It's freely av- available at the journal's website online. And that's all for this edition of our podcast. I'm Brian Johnston, Editor-in-Chief of Injury Prevention. Join us later in the year for highlights of the December issue.